So we're back again for another episode here. I'm I'm in my Kansas City Monarchs hat from the Negro Leagues, and I'm drinking a none of your business peanut butter stout. It's tough. Good Michigan beer here. Yeah, it's a. I went and supported my Anheuser Busch, of course, because you know I went with Natter Days because it's for the boys, and I'm feeling vacation stuff right now. So. Uh, when uh when when they sponsor us, I'm telling you boys, we're gonna we're gonna be pretty set. So I know Mike is drinking the hard stuff. Water. He's mm. got the water, rocking the water tonight. Right, we so, appreciate. It. Yes, tonight we're gonna talk about the fire movement, which is financial independence, retire early. So, and if you asked me last week what it meant. I'm pretty sure I said, F it, retire early. So. I'm pretty sure that's what you said. And I, I think you're feeling that right now, too. I, I am. Yeah, I say it's a, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird slump to go through with this, with this company, you know. Um, it's why I, I, I really I enjoy this, this talk and what we're going to be doing because so much of me wants to push towards this. And, and I feel like I'm there, but I, you know, I'm missing a few key steps and I, I just got to get that figured out in my life first. So. so Nick, what does fire mean? Fi- you know, financial independence, retire early. What, what are they talking about here? Sure. So the, the movement, um, right. It is everybody thinks like it's a hipster movement and it's, this this thing where you have to live off of nothing but honestly what it is 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 exactly what the first two words are to us right it's financial independence and when they say retire early it it really just means do something you don't have to do but want to do right when when you get asked all the time oh what do you want to do when you grow up like you want to be able to not have to do like you want to be able to make the answer for that question, right? Like you don't want to be forced to. You just want to go. This is this is what I want to do. This specific thing right here. So, um, yeah. So the the quick basis behind it, right, is saving more than fifty percent. They say seventy five. I mean, if you're getting really in depth, save seventy five percent of your income um, and try to do what's the it's called like the twenty five percent or the twenty five times rule or the 4% rule, there, there's different names for it. But basically, let's say you're an average person, $40,000 a year is how much you make, and you that's how much it's going to cost for you to live off. Of. So they want you to save as much as possible in, in all your funds, So um, and get 25 times that. So 40,000 times 25 is a, an even $1 million. Um, and the idea is that you take that $1 million and you have it invested um, throughout multiple sources, you know. Um, and the goal is to, to get a guarantee. You want to hope to get a guaranteed 4% return on your money. I mean, it's really hard to find that 4% guarantee right now. But, you know, so between your, between your stocks, between your um, – you can't, you know, you can't take your 401 unless you're older. But um, right between your all, – all your investments – you need to make 4%. So the idea behind it is they say 4% because if you earn 4% per year, every year you'll be able to withdraw $40,000 and never touch that principal amount of a million bucks. So, right, if I, if I have a million dollars invested, it earned 
4% that year. So that when I go to look at it, it's going to look like a million 40,000, right? So um, I'll be able to just take a, a big chunk of 40,000, withdraw it, and I'll have a million dollars trying to regrow that, that percent again. Um, breaking it down, 40,000 is about $770 per week. Um, you know, so uh, now we talk about how people are doing it, right? So we want to, we want to get into that. Um, people, people are, are not buying cars. You know I mean? The reason they say it's a hipster thing is because like hipsters aren't getting their driver's license. They're buying cars, right? Or they're not buying cars, right? They're taking their bicycles and they're going to the grocery store with that. So they're, they don't have a, they don't have gas. They don't have that electric or that insurance bill. They don't have the maintenance bill. They don't have, um, the, the, the purchase price, you know, even if they're finance. So, right. They're, they're living very minimalist lives. Um, you know, the, to, to save 75% of your income while you're working. I mean, man, that, that that's tough to do, right? Um, it really is. So a lot of these people are doing it while they're younger, no family to rely, you know, that has to be depending on them. Um, I guess that's, that's why it's kind of been more for generation. Um, it's not that we don't want to work. It's that we want to be able to do what we want when we want to. That's my whole philosophy of life, right? I live to do what I want when I want. I, I, I don't get to right now. I have to still, but that's where I want to be in life. And that's where my passion is. Um, so, um, you know, I, I hope, I hope I was very specific on that. Like with the 4%, um, you can't, you can't just put it into a savings account. Nobody, nobody's going to give you 4% on a million dollars just sitting there doing nothing. Right. So you have to, you're going to have to have it spread out through some investments that we've talked about on other episodes. Well, and you talk about hipsters, you know, this is one of the things they like. The other, the other thing, which I guess go hand in hand with hipsters are millennials. Millennials love the fire method. And, and one of the reasons why is because even though they get a bad rap, I think millennials work really hard. They just don't work really hard at a nine to five job. They get sick of doing what they're told they're supposed to do. They want to be compensated fairly, which, you know, when, I remember I went through this activity in middle school where you had to, you know, grab the, the help wanted ads and you had to look for a job, you had to look for a vehicle, you had to look for an apartment and try to make everything work. And I remember looking in there and I could find a decent vehicle for like four or $5,000. I could find a decent apartment for like two or 300 a month and I could find a job for 10, 12 bucks an hour. And, and, looking at that you're like all right well i can pretty much do anything i need to do on 10 or 12 bucks an hour with these bills and that's not the world we live in anymore i mean you know if you're not making 60 70 80,000 a year you're struggling and let's face it you know if if you're a millennial and you went to school and you're graduating 100 150,000 in debt a 95 job's not cutting that because they still want to start you at 12 bucks an hour Oh, the yeah. math doesn't add up. Yeah, I'm finding, I'm finding that now. I mean, you know, there's some jobs I'm not qualified for because I don't have a degree. But even with the degree, like, they're wanting to start people at 14 an hour. And I'm just like, you're, you're, no. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, so I, I, I get behind, I get behind what these people want to do, right? 
And everybody thinks that they just want to sit home and, and play video games. You know what? I think most people behind the video game think, no, like their, their big dream is to like create that video game, right? Like they're, they're probably better at computers than you and I combined know how to program this stuff. Right. Um, I, I just downloaded an app on my phone. It's a, it's a stupid video game, but then I, I was talking to some people on it and they were talking about how they make $260,000 a day off of the app. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, like, yeah, I need to create a video game app, you know? I mean, so, um, right. This, this, um, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll plug him. Um, his name is, uh, Mr. Money Mustache, um, because Mustache. Uh, yeah, so he's he's a big fire movement guy. Um, I want to say he lives in Colorado, right? He's got his little yep. small community thing. People people go out there and hang, you know. And, right again, he rides his bike to the store. He the only the only thing that scares me about that is like with the fire movement is. I mean, you could set your level of what you want. So the longer it takes you to get to that point, right? So, you know, with Mr. Money Mustache, I mean, he's he's like, hey, I want to live off of like 10K a year, right? Like, we're going to make our own bread. We're going to do all this. Like, it's a very, you know, and, and so people see that as like a, whoa. Um, and that's not the lifestyle for me. I'm not going to say it's not the lifestyle for other people. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Like, if you forever want to bunk with five people in one house, like, and you're happy, like happiness is where it's at to me. So, and we've talked about this before when, you know, we've had previous episodes where we talked about different things to do to make money. I love coin out. I use coin out all the time. I make, you know, two, three, four, five bucks a month off of it. Mike comes up to see me, he hands me his receipts and he goes, here, have fun. Because it's not worth him and his time to do that because he's not looking at the, hey, I want to make two, three, four dollars. He's looking at, you know, I, I, you know, if it was paying me five bucks to do this each time, I'd do it. Am I right, Mike? Yep. But at two cents, you're sitting there going, yeah, that's not worth my time. Yep. So, I mean, you, you have to figure out, we, we go back to this all the time, who you are as a person and what you're willing to put in. So if you want to live in a commune and have five people live with you and live off $10,000 a year and bake your own bread and make all your food, then more power to you. That's great. Yep. There are parts of that I really like. You know, I, I love it when my wife makes bread. She makes really good bread. I like eating it. It's fantastic. Am I going to live that way the rest of my life? Hell no. <laughs> you know, there, there are things I want to do too, you know. We, we talk about it all the time and, you know, the three of us talk about it quite a bit. We have different tastes in beer. So Mike and I and Nick, all three of us, we really like a lot of the same beers. We love porters. We love stouts. Mike's of the point where, you know, if he goes out, yeah, he could drink a Bud Light. He'll deal with it. It's not a big deal. I'm to the point where if I had to buy, you know, a cheap beer, I can buy a cheap beer and, and make that last because it's cheaper. You know, I would, I would love to buy Nutter Your Business all the time, but you know, I can buy six of these for 12 bucks. I can buy 24 of these for 15. You know, yep. At some point you have to look and weigh those things out and say, okay, well, you know, I'm at a point in my life right now where 24 of these for 16, that's okay. And once in a while, I'll buy six of these for 12, you know. 
Yep. Say, you know, I, when I started when I started drinking, um, you know, I got I got into the microbrew stuff quite a bit. Um, and the problem was is I was I was always hanging out with like people who who weren't into it, right? I mean, so I you know I kind of died out of it, and then my friends started getting into it, and it was this trend, and I was like, I'm pretty much done. And so, I, but I got back into it. I, I can, I, I, I still enjoy a good beer, but to throw back a, a thing of hams or natter days, cause it's fun with the boys or, you know, I, I say I'll, I'll drink. I think it's uh here with the deposit in Michigan. It's a 30 rack of hams for 13 bucks. You know, I go buy four, four uh, dragon's milks from new Holland and that's, you know, 26 bucks or something. You know, and it's just like, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can do it for the taste, but uh, this tastes pretty all right to me. So, Yeah, and, and when you're looking at the fire movement, you, again, you have to figure out, okay, what kind of saver am I? What kind of spender am I? Are you the type of person that's going to go, yeah, I'll go do DoorDash or I'll go do Shipped or I'll go do Instacart and I'll make extra money doing that stuff. If you're willing to do those things, that's great. That's extra money. So you know, I've talked in previous episodes that, you know, I'm trying to pay off my roof because I, I took a loan from my daughter. So I started out the year January owing her 19 grand and I'm down to under 5,000 right now and I'll have her paid off by the end of the year. Every extra dime I get, whether it's, you know, turning in scrap metal or doing surveys or getting a capital one check back for money I spent or my wife doing shipped because, you know, she picks up a couple ship shops a week. That money goes to pay her off so I can just get it done with. And then I can start, you know, doing other things with my money come next year. Because again, I, there are things I want, I want to be able to retire at some point. You know, we had the argument in the house the other day that, you know, she was talking, Hey, I'd really like to do this, but we don't have money for it. And I'm like, you know, I can always find three or $400. I might not like it, but I can do it. And I ran out the next day and I'm like, hey, you know, Delta's down and Royal Caribbean's down and ExxonMobil's down and I bought some stock and I spent about 400 bucks. Yeah. And right now they're all half of what they used to be, if not a third of what they used to be. Yeah, I'm hedging my bet, but still a pretty good bet. And that's the biggest thing, you know, um, with the, again, we go back to what fire movement, right? It's, it's all about what it means to you as a person, um, retire early. Um, you know, some people think that, you know, I, I don't know, David, what's your retirement age? Do you have any idea? Like, I think social security, we can draw at like 67 now. So I can't. You can draw early at 65, but you don't get your full benefit till 67. I'm, I just turned 43. So we're talking 24 years. Is that, is that math right, Mike? Okay. So we're talking 24 years for me. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not working 24 more years. Yeah. Now I might not draw social security that early because yeah, I could, I could start drawing it in my earlier sixties if I want to, but I don't. What I want to do now is start maximizing those retirement accounts so I can sit there and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm 50. 
I'm 55. Again, we talked about this. I work from home, so I'm not anxious to stop doing what I do. I like my job. It's, you know, it's a good job. It's a good, strong company. I get to work from home. I get good benefits. So I'm not looking to leave it. But, you know, by the time I'm 65, I would hope I'm not doing it anymore. You know, I'd, I'd hope at 65, I say, yeah, I'm good. My investments have paid off. I don't need to take Social Security yet. I can still wait another two years on that. I can basically do, you know, whatever I want as, you know, as long as I'm still kicking. So really, the next 20 years for me, because that'll put me at 63, those are very, very serious years. You know, I, I have to figure out how much more can I throw at retirement whether that's in investment accounts or my 403B or my Roth IRAs, because at the end of the day, we, we talk about financial independence, retire early. I, I really think that retire part is kind of a misnomer. So yeah. if you, my thought of retirement is you retire, you don't work anymore. You know, you have to find things to do. You putz around the house. I'm not interested in that. I don't putz around the house. Let me, uh, go ahead, Nick. No, I say, you know, I want to make this fun real quick. Mike, 7 14 2020, uh, when we're recording this, if you could be doing anything right now, what would you be doing? David, I have a beer. you'd have a beer, right? So now, now we, we, we grow on that. We grow on that. I mean, would you, would you be a, a beer tester? Right. I mean, if you could, right. So David, if you could pick a job that you wanted to do, didn't matter the income, what would you do? I would probably continue to coach. I love yeah, coaching. So, uh, so I mean, you know, Mike would make beer. I would coach. I, I know Nick would do something philanthropic, you know, whether it be coaching or, or, mentoring, you know, young entrepreneurs, things like that. I, I can tell you right now, my wife opening her own business. I think the best help we've had is successful business people saying, try this, do this, you know, this is an option, you know, just walking her through those waters. And that's something that, you know, I look at Nick and I'm like, man, Nick is going to be great at doing that stuff someday. Literally it's the reason we do this stuff right now, because we want to be able to do it now, not 20 years from now. So, you know, we're doing it with this, but, you know, 20 years from now, we may not be doing this anymore, but Nick's still going to be telling people, hey, this is how I got into rentals, and this is how I made my money, and this is what I want to see you do, because he has people that are doing that for him right now. And, that, and that's, that's just key. I mean, you know, I, I, I do. I'm very fortunate with, you know, here's these – I'm wise enough, which is surprising to say that about myself. I'm wise enough to listen to when people say, this is the mistake I made. Don't make it so far. I, I don't make that mistake. Right. Um, say I, you know, I, I think for me, as I said, so I, as, as some of you guys have been watching these episodes as they come, um, I am back to work. Um, you know, my, my company, my company has downsized people. They move me positions to something I don't enjoy. Uh, they also just gave me a pay cut, which I definitely don't enjoy that. So now it's, you know, now it's like, man, this is, this is really what I've been looking for in my life. 
is like I now have a little bit of time because I have my side income to find what I want to do. Right. And like, I post things out there of like, what would you do if you guys were in this situation? And, and you know, I'll be honest. I, I live in, I live in the USA, which I absolutely love the, the United States. It's, you know, but right now medical medical is so dang expensive. Right. And so like my calculations are like, okay, my wife, I'll, my wife is probably going to lose her job. So now we're going to have two people with no medical insurance. If I quit my job, you know, and live off of my money, you know, what's she going to do? You know, so we need, we need medical. So if I, if I have to buy the medical insurance, then I'm not going to have enough money to live off of at least the lifestyle that I want. Right. So, you know, I, yes. Could I live off of what I make right now? Yes. Right. Could I live happily as a father to the daughter that I have the way I live? No. Right. She, she didn't, she didn't ask to grow up the same way I grew up, you know, with, with no being the answer. I'm, I don't hand my kid everything, but like, you know, I, I want her to have those extra little things. I want, she, even today, right? So she's like, I can't wait to go to summer camp. And I'm like, how do you know about summer camp? Like you're four years, you know, and, and I missed out on those opportunities as a kid. I didn't go to summer camp, right? So like I, this is why I work. I, I want that money for summer camp. So the retire early thing is to me is literally like, I'm at that point. I just, I got a couple things to hit. Right. And so I, I have some, we, we talked about real estate. I have some money out there right now and I'll be honest. It's now the, the deal has fallen through twice. We're working on our third one. They're in negotiations right now. Um, but I was supposed to have my money back a while ago plus money. So now I'm losing how much I was supposed to make. So it's not a guarantee kind of a thing. I want people to understand that investing is not a guarantee. You know, my hope is to get my money back, not lose, you know, but, you know, if, if I could guarantee it, I'd retire right now, right? I'd just keep throwing that money back out there and just saying, hey, keep bringing it in. And you'll always have people that will tell you, you know, oh, I can guarantee it. Nothing nothing in life is a guarantee unless you control it yourself, right? I mean, um, so, you know, th this movement this movement is – I think if you do any steps towards it, you'll be a heck of a lot farther, right? I mean, I, 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 I got moved back to the production area, right, and I'm – and instantly I bring up, oh, 401ks and yeah, yeah, I don't plan to be here. And I'm just like, man, don't care how long you plan to be there. Throw money at it, man. Like, come on. And so it's like, take these small steps, take these. And 1% is better than no percent. 10% is better than 1%. You know, so the idea, you don't have to do 75. You don't have to be gung-ho. But you have to not want to, you know, if you own the business right now and you're the person that loves exactly what they do, right? And you don't you don't want to travel, you don't want to do anything else different in life. Man, this 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 movement isn't for you, right? But it's the people that don't want to answer to people. It's the people that want to wake up when they want to, they want to go to bed when they want to, they want to do the job they want to, go on vacation. They want to they want to answer to themselves and that's it, right? This is what this movement's about. So you bring up a great point hitting the insurance. So, you know, I work for the insurance company, so I'm, I'm kind of invested in, in them continuing to charge a lot of money for a lot of nothing. Um, I, did, I didn't say that. <laughs> so there's an artist I know who 
posted earlier today that, you know, hey, I've been kind of quiet on social media, but I kind of want to let you guys know where I'm at. Um, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and it's stage two and it's very treatable, but, you know, I don't have good insurance because she's an artist and what artist has good insurance? So she's got to go fund me, you know, trying to raise money for all these chemo bills that she's going to have because we live in a, a country that feels healthcare is a privilege, not a right. I'm not going to get on a political rant here, but you know, when we're looking at jobs, when we're looking at, you know, what can we do with our life? That is a big factor. You know, I, my daughter's going to be aging out of my insurance next year, which worries me because she doesn't get offered insurance. So we're going to have to go on the marketplace and, and buy insurance for her. And, you know, knock on wood, we'll have a new president next year that will not strip the Affordable Care Act to damn near nothing. Because at least with it out there, I have the ability to help her find insurance that will, you know, cover some of the issues that she has. She does. I mean, she's got rheumatoid arthritis and they're talking about doing infusions and it's going to be expensive. It's, it's not going to be cheap. So I got, I got to find insurance that's going to cover these things. And, you know, I, I don't want her sitting there at 26 years old going, okay, how do I pay for any of this stuff? Because you shouldn't have crippling debt from medical bills. You know, and looking at the two of you, you know, Mike's a little bit older than me, but he's got two younger kids and he has to carry insurance, not only on himself, but his two kids, you know, Nick's got to carry it on his family and, you know, his wife works too. And she has it. And, you know, we were at Nick's the other day and she's like, you know, Courtney said specifically, Hey, come early August, I got no insurance, which freak Nick out because he's sitting there going, all right, well, I don't know if I have a job, which means I don't know if I have insurance. And they're sitting there going, all right, well, we have a four-year-old that needs to have insurance. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where Nick and Courtney make too much money, so they're not getting any help. It's pony up some money or, you know, go live in the poorhouse. We really don't care. So when you're looking at, you know, financial independence, you also have to factor in, what do I need to make sure, you know, I'm happy and healthy? Because those are things that have to be paid for. You know, you can skip having a car, you can ride your bike everywhere or live in a town where you can walk or use the L. I, I know, you know, when my mom was young, she lived in Chicago, you know, I was born there and she rode the L or the bus. That's how she got around. She didn't need a car. They had great transportation. We live in Grand Rapids. You know, Mike lives in Portage. There's, you know, we have a bus system here, but Nick, have you ever taken the bus here? Uh, when I was really young, we did it as a, a fun activity just to do it. But um, in Jenison, in Jenison, where I live, I don't have a bus. Right. So uh, it's not a, it's not an option. Granted, we're in technology, so Uber Uber is a thing. But for me to get somewhere, I mean, I don't make great money. I'm I'm living whatever. So Uber is going to cost me fifty bucks just to get to an activity, and it's like, man, that activity's you know, it's it's, it's not worth it. So 
Well, I'm one of those people. Nick has driven for Uber. He liked it. It was fun. I've taken some Ubers. You know, we took a trip last year to Chicago for Star Wars Celebration. I did not drive out of the hotel except for one time. The other times I left, I took Ubers because I didn't want to lose a parking spot, and that's just easy. It wasn't expensive, but it also wasn't cheap. You know, I, you know 20, 25 bucks a trip. And, you know, we've talked about vacations in an episode. And, you know, Nick said, if you have money in the account and you want to do it on vacation, you just do it. And I'm, I'm of the same theory. If you're on vacation, there is no no. Yep. If you want to do it, you just do it because it's a vacation. So, um, I say, I, you know, I say, I can't, I can't tell you guys enough how much, you know, how much this fire movement is, is really, it's, it's changing a lot of people. So, I mean, people talk about millennials and not doing anything, but right. Statistics show that millennials actually invest faster and more than people of, of higher generations. Um, and opinion, right. Opinion is because I watched, I watched families. I mean, I, I watched families go into foreclosure because of the, the crisis. I bought foreclosures because of the crisis. Um, I, you know, people, people, let's, let's be honest, David, you, you, right. You told, you told my story, uh, about, about not knowing about insurance, right? Uh, this is exactly why I went to college because I needed, I needed insurance, right? So now I'm back to this, this, I'm back to being an 18 year old kid who has to take a job with somebody. I have to, I have to sacrifice my happiness to do something. I have to be a man because this specific thing has told me I have to, because I haven't been, I haven't been financially responsible to an extreme, right? I've let my wife and I go get steaks. I've let my wife and I go on vacations. I've, Right. We haven't, we haven't been extremists. We don't want to be extremists. Right. But, um, right. So I'm at this point where I need, I need to rely on, on insurance or find, find other income. And at this moment, I don't want to revamp my whole business because I, of fear. That's all it is, is fear. I fear I'll lose exactly where I want to be, who I want to be and how I want to do it. Right. And I, I don't want to lose that about me. I'm very proud of who I am and how I do things. I, I, I hold myself to a very high standard. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's one thing that bothers me. And I think these people are getting sick and tired of, I remember watching my father growing up, come home and just sit on the couch, you know, he sit on the couch just in pain, right? He actually, he had surgery not too long back. My, my mother is having her fifth surgery on her. She's had back, she's had neck she's having foot, right? But they, 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 we're all workers, right? We, we all, we all are workers in my family, physical laborers. And I, I'm, I'm tired of watching this type of thing. And I think other people in this world are tired of watching people come home, hate their life and just go, Oh God. Right. So, um, this movement to me, man, it means, it means a lot in the aspect of, you know what? I can set that example. I, my wife, told my daughter what happened about my, my demotion at work or whatever. My daughter apologized and said, daddy, I'm sorry that they're being mean to you. And I, 
right? It, she shouldn't know those types of things at four years old. But it, it also, like I, I told her, I said, look, no matter what you do, make sure you do it with a passion in life and never, never take something that you don't have to do. Right. So I, I'm, it's a great teaching moment for me because I, I'm hoping that her life is just that much better than what mine is. So we've talked, you know, a little bit about millennials. I want to get into generations for a minute here because I, I think it's important when it comes to the fire movement. So we, we talk constantly that, you know, we have the greatest generation, which were, you know, my grandfather's generation. He, he landed at Normandy on D-Day. Um, they fought fascists in Germany and Japan and Italy. You know, fascism seems to be a big thing right now because we have the Antifa movement, which everybody says is, a, is organized. It's not organized, by the way. Um, I have some friends that think it's organized. You're fucking idiots. Uh, there's no organization there. They're just fighting fascism. You know, fascism is bad. Fascism is Hitler. My grandfather fought against that. He honestly was the greatest generation because they didn't worry about themselves. They just wanted people to be free. I'm a firm believer that the generation that came after them, the baby boomer, boomers are the worst generation because they're whiny and bitchy and just give me that as mine. You know what? Fuck you, boomers. Um, I'm a firm believer that the second greatest generation out there is Generation X. Mike and I are both in that generation. We're the type of generation that we realize that shit's just not fair. It's, it's not fair. But we just put our heads down and keep moving forward. And Nick really hits, you know, that beginning of that millennial generation where they get this horrible, horrible rap. But the, these, you know, some, they're not really kids anymore because you can't say they're kids. They're, you know, in their 30s and they're making their way going, you know what, nine to five sucks. I don't want to do that. I want to get paid what I'm worth. I'm worth way more than 12 bucks an hour. I don't know why the hell you're trying to pay me $12 an hour. You know, and that's literally what companies have come down to. They're like, you know, well, I know you went to school for eight years after high school, but you're only worth 12 bucks. Bullshit. So these kids went out and they found, you know, other ways to make money so that they're not dependent on a business anymore. I, you know, Nick and I have talked about this recently. His job does not like him because he walks in there and he does not need his job. He has rental properties that make him money. He has other streams of income. He keeps that job because they give him decent benefits, whether it's the 401k or it's the medical insurance, whatever it is. And they get mad because when they say jump, he's supposed to say how high. But he's of the generation that they don't say how high, they go, screw you, I'm gonna go over here instead. And that pisses jobs off. Tell me I'm wrong, Nick, am I wrong? I, I don't think you're wrong, you know. It's a, and it's, it's tough, right? Because I don't want people to think that I don't, right? So, I mean, I, when I walked back, I, I had a really piss attitude about going back to production, right? But I walk to production and I give it 100%, right? I don't want people to think I'm lazy and I, I don't do whatever. Like, that's never, I will always, I will always work as hard as I possibly can give because I know a company is paying me. Okay, so now when this company's paying me 
a good amount of money. I was pretty, I was pretty happy, especially a job. I, now they took my job from me, but I was still getting paid. So I was like, you know what? Now they took money from me. Now they're saying that the job I'm doing isn't worth the amount of money that I'm doing. And you want me to still work as hard. That's very hard for me to deal with, right? Like people, people out there are like, oh, you should be grateful you have a job. Nope. That's the mindset right here that this fire movement, that's what this fire movement is all about. I don't need to be grateful I have a job. Okay. I need to be grateful that I can support my family and have benefits. Like I, no, I don't, I don't want that as my mindset, right? I want, I want, I, I, being a business owner, I understand the risk of opening a business, right? I understand that it, the top people are supposed to be the most knowledgeable, but man, you know what, when you, when you feel disrespected, you're not supposed to give the respect back. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the thing that goes back. It's been bugging me a lot. Like people are talking about, Oh, you know, you got to respect, you got to respect those that, you know, are, are there. Okay. Well, these people aren't respecting me right now. At least I don't feel respected. Right. I don't feel these things. So, and again, everybody tells me, Oh, F your feelings. No, no, I, it's not that right. Like, when I get to the, when you get to this mindset of fire movement, where you get to have your own opinion, your own feelings, man, that's where life is, right? Because like, when you can tell somebody no, you win, right? If somebody says, hey, you got to work Saturday and Sunday, 14 hours a day, and you just go, nah, I don't need to. I mean, America needs to keep moving and all that, but when there, there's this passion and this joy. You know, just if you ever have had that point in life where you just go, you know, let's say you're in a job that you haven't loved and one of your friends or something says, man, you should come work for this company. You know that that two weeks of work, you're just like, I gave my two week note. You're just like, man, you're like something, there's this weight lifted, right? To where, you know, you're not controlled by this thing anymore and things are going to be a little bit better. So, um, right. It's, it's the idea to make you a happy person in life. So one of those things, you know, I, I, I'm going to go back to the year we coached together. So I hired Nick as, as a varsity assistant coach, my fourth year coaching high school softball. And it was, it was a, really a transition year for me. I lost one of my top assistants. He went to run a program at Coopersville, which, you know, I now coach with him. My daughter graduated the year before, and I decided, okay, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make a go of this, and it's it's going to be okay. And I talked Nick into coming and helping Marv and I out, and I remember we had an issue with a player that she had quit, and parents wanted a meeting because when you quit, at the point she quit at, they, she had to sit out a quarter of the next season of whatever sport she played, which was volleyball. So the parents wanted a meeting to get us to say, no, that's, that's not going to happen. So we had the meeting. It ended up being myself, Nick, my daughter, who was an assistant coach for me at the time, and Marv, who was my top assistant, who I coached with for, I don't know, 15 years. And we sat there and we had this meeting and you know, I laid out all the reasons why, no, she has to sit out. And, and I got to the point where I was just so beaten down that I didn't care anymore. And I was just like, whatever, I don't, I just don't give a shit. And they were recounting situations where there was an issue with this kid in, in school 
and the teacher called and talked to the parents and the parents talked to the kid and they got it worked out and there was an issue in volleyball and the coach called and talked to the parents and the parents talked to the kid and they got it worked out and why didn't you do that with us and nick looked at the parents and goes so what you're telling me is your kid was an asshole in school teachers called you told your kids to stop being an asshole your kid was an asshole in volleyball the coach called and told you, you know, that your kid was being an asshole. You told your kid to stop being an asshole. And now you've gotten to softball, which is half a year later, your kid's still an asshole. And you think we should call you? And the mom looked at him and goes, I don't like the way you said that. And he goes, I don't like your kids. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That, that sucks to be you. And we got done having that conversation and they went off on their way and we went off on their way. And I, I looked at Nick and Caitlin and Marv and I said, I just don't care anymore. Just let her play. And they're like, no, screw that. She did everything wrong. She's an ass. She can sit out. And we held her to sit out. And again, that, that goes back to you can do whatever you want to do, but there are going to be consequences and you have to be willing to pay those consequences. Yeah, and when, think, it comes, when it comes to the fire movement, if you're willing to pay the consequences of, you know, not going on a trip or not buying nut of your business peanut butter stout or not going and getting a flame and yon, then, you know, that's great. You can sacrifice and you can get cheaper things. Nick, what were you going to say? Because I know you had a, a thought there. No, I say, you know, my favorite part about that whole story, right, is the mom, the mom, the dad looks at us and he just, you can just tell, he's like, you're right. The mom, the mom's like, oh no, I'm not going to let this happen. Dad's like, yeah, we're just going to walk away on this one. And I was like, I will, uh, that, that'll be, be one of my fondest memories for a while. Just going, now nah, I'm, I'm pretty all right with no. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I, I think, you know, again, it's, it's about the amount that you want to sacrifice. I think, I think too many people think that people are just trying to live up. I mean, and there are some, right? I have, for, I, I'll be honest. Part of me has that mindset where it's like, man, I really want to live where everybody kind of supports everybody. And, but I know it doesn't work, right? Because there's, there's going to be people who work harder and people who work, you know, that don't work. And it's just, it's never going to work for me. I will always, I will always try to be like that financial person that tries to get ahead. And then I'll get pissed when that person like is just sitting there doing nothing. And I'm like, can't do it. Gotta go. Um, right. So, I mean, that's why, that's why I'm a business owner, but, um, you know, I, I, I see it. I see it where people just think that, Oh, everybody wants to live off of, you know, live off the land for free and, you know, grow, grow their own vegetables and, you know, just, commune it up and i'm like no that's not it's not all commune people right i mean yes there are extremists right there's extremists in everything that you do in life i mean that's the biggest thing you'll understand whether it's whether it's people who are working i don't even know how many hours there are in a week anymore 100 and 100 something hours a week or there's people that work two hours huh 168 right there's people that are probably working 150 hours right getting a couple hours of sleep a night and then there's people that are working two hours a day kind of a thing. And 
who are we to tell them that they're wrong? I mean, the only thing that bothers you is you think that they're lazy or you think that they're overachievers trying to get like what you do in your life doesn't impact me except for right. Ta everybody's like, Oh, it's my taxes. Look, vote. No, right. Get out and vote, make your opinion count whether it happens or not sucks. Right. Keep fighting for it. Do what you got to do. But a vote's a vote and welcome to America. That's how things work. Um, trust me. I just got a tax bill for $9,888 and 68 cents. We've had COVID. I've had three people not pay for God knows how long, and I'm still have to pay my 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 tax bill. What do you want me to do about it? Right. So uh, that's my, that's my quick high horse. I can go out and lobby for it, but you know, I, I I get frustrated by people thinking that everybody just wants to be lazy. Not everybody, right? And again, if you think it's being lazy, maybe take a look at exactly what they want. Happiness is, literally comes from small amounts. I mean, as long as you can get by and have have the things you want. Not every, not everybody needs a five star hotel, right? I mean, well, you said it in a past episode. I need a place to lay my head. Yep, clean a clean place to lay my head. And if I have and free that, breakfast, isn't bad either. Yeah, free breakfast is helpful. Too bad. Nick's even happier if they got tacos for breakfast. Oh man, that's what life's about. So I mean, you know, you you have to again. We talk about this all the time. So how do I plan for things? Budget. Budgeting is number one. Figure out what you can sacrifice and what you can't. So is TV really that important? Do you need to spend, you know, $90 on cable or dish or whatever? Or can you, you know, find something cheaper to do? Um, there are options out there. I love the idea of, you know, retiring early. Not for the fact that I know I'm going to retire, because even when retirement comes, I'm still going to be doing stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'm not retiring. You know, I, I was looking into a lot of different articles when it came to this, and, and one of the articles I read was, you know, I learned that retiring early was the wrong goal to have. And that's absolutely accurate. You know, I'm not looking to retire. I'm looking to focus on other things that, you know, might be more important to me now because I have those things taken care of. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Before I knew about this movement, uh, I started getting a little bit of financial money from real estate. And my wife, my wife has always said, oh, I don't want to stop working. And we have this fight. And it's not that I'm trying to live my my wife's life, right? It's so I'm trying to get her to understand that. So my wife, my wife is an occupational therapist. For those of you that don't know, right? So she works college. She went to college. She wants to use her degree. Now I'm trying to get her to understand, and I it's always a fight. She doesn't need to be paid, right? Right now we're we're financially not um, there, but she needs pay, right? But at some point in our life, I want to get to the point where she doesn't need pay. I want her to be able to do – so right now she lives by certain codes and laws, and she can only see people that this company will allow pay, right, So to deny people. So I, I want to get to the point where anybody that gets denied for her help, right, she can help them. I mean, she can go and seek these people out for free. Like she can help the world. We can travel to any country. She can walk into a place and say, Hey, look, you have people that need my service, right? Uh, if you don't know what occupational 
therapy is, right? Look it up. It, it, you know, it's teaching people how to use things. Um, but you know, their, their body and, and the way that they've done it. So, you know, I, I, I get her to understand like, Hey, look, we could go to Costa Rica, live there, have our income come in and you could go, you can go work there if you want. And guess what? In three months when I'm tired of being at this place, we can go to Germany. You could, you know, if they allow you to practice, if they allow you to volunteer at a place that just needs a little extra help, we can go to Mexico, we can go to Australia, we can go anywhere and you can still work and you can still make an impact on the world, but you don't have to get paid. If you get paid, awesome. If you don't, oh well, right? I mean, and that's the biggest key for me is, is getting her to understand, hey, we don't, we want to live our life to where, again, we can jump and go wherever the heck we want when we want to and nobody has to tell us when to. So, you know, I, I go back into the, one of my passions, obviously, is coaching. I've done it for a long, long time. And, you know, Nick worked for me when I was a head coach, and I'm obviously no longer a head coach. I'm not a head coach anymore because I was a huge pain in the ass and I got fired. They'll tell you I got fired because I was singing while drunk. Truth is, I'm just a huge pain in the ass, and I yell at people a lot, and if you don't do what I want you to do, I tell you to piss off because, you know. I literally got fired because I said, what are they going to do? Fire me? Fuck them. They fired me. So I went and started coaching with a former system of mine and he brought me in and, and he told everybody, you know what? This was my mentor. He got me into coaching. He's who I model our program after. And all these girls, they're like, so how much older are you than coach? And I'm like, he's like three years older than me. What are you talking about? And they go, well, but he said, you're his mentor. Yeah, I started coaching high school softball when I was like 32. He wasn't coaching. I got people into it. You don't necessarily have to be older to be a mentor. My goal when I was coaching was taking people that might want to possibly be head coaches someday and coaching them up so that they could go and run their own program. I hated losing Chris as an assistant coach. It was horrible. I sat on the porch, which I'm pointing to right now. I sat on the porch and I got hammered that night because I was so pissed off because I knew he had an interview that night and I knew he was going to leave. I, I remember, you know, a couple of days later, the AD at Coopersville called me and he said, so what can you tell me about Chris Yost? And I said, listen, he's the best coach I've ever coached with. And if you don't hire him, you're a fool. I really hope you're a fool. I got a call like three days later from Yost and he goes, they offered me the job. And I went, all right, well, we need to have a meeting with the girls because you need to tell them. I didn't have to ask if he took it. I knew. But at the end of the day, that's your goal. You're, you're coaching people up to be better than what you are. So Nick has a mentor that's coaching him up so that he can be doing better than what his mentor is doing. And when you're looking at the fire movement, that's what people are doing. They're sitting there going, hey, I want to get to the point where I can do what I want to do. And, and a lot of these people are, I want to teach you how to do this so that you don't have to rely on a nine to five job in a place that literally will post your job before your obituaries in the paper because they don't give three rats asses about you. Because yep. let's face it, my boss really appreciates me. 
I know his boss appreciates me, but that one's going to a new position pretty soon. So there's going to be another boss that doesn't know who the hell I am and doesn't give a rat's ass about me. Nick, you know who your boss is? Have you met them yet? Because you got a new one now. Uh, I've met my boss. Do they give a shit about you? No. Uh, I met I met his boss the day that for the for the let's call it 15 minutes that we sat in a meeting where they took money from me. And I I'll be honest, I said a lot of words, and I'm surprised I still have my job. Um, you know, and that was the the plant manager. Who, yeah, I mean, he at least understood why I was the most pissed off he's seen of people in a long time. But, yeah, I, I just, you know, if I leave, these people don't care, right? Like, they're, they'll just be like, okay, cool. We, we just saved ourselves X amount of dollars an hour. I don't care. They'll hire a new person for, you know, half price. I mean, literally half price because I've, I've more than doubled how much I started at. Wow, that's crazy to say. <laughs> but um right They're, they'll they'll just start over again you know and, and that's the thing man like you know uh I, I think uh i think when you look at when you look at these people even in your older age right you see people who right so david i mean you're you're what 43 um he's he's the kind of guy who when his daughter turned 18 started not being so financially depending on him he just up, he he upped his money, right? I and mean, that's what these people are doing. It, it, they're they're improving the fire move. So they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna start maxing out my 401k because I can now. I don't, my my kid doesn't need softball money. My kid doesn't need uh, summer camp money. My kid doesn't, you know, my all these things, right? The kid, you know, your your kid's not married, but other other people, right? Their kid gets married. Their kid's not depending on them anymore, right? So they can they can put more towards their retirements. So they can do all these things. So. Um, every age group I think has it. It's just, it, it gets a little bit of a bad rap on the younger kids because they feel like they're not willing to work for it. And it's like, no, and these kids are just trying to get themselves to live off of nothing because they don't want to expect anything out of life. They just want to get by. Well, and we're, to, we're, we're really to the point where when Mike and I were growing up, you could expect that you would do better than your parents did. So Mike, do you make more money than your parents did? Yeah. I probably don't. Okay. My mother was an RN. Uh, my father, who I don't really talk to, uh, he runs several businesses. So I know he makes way more money than I make. You know, if I, if I talk about the real father figure I have in my life, Steve, Steve runs his own construction company. He makes way more money than I, I make. So we're in the tail end of the doing better than your parents. Nick is right in that area of he probably will not do as well as his parents did. Now, he will, but his generation as a whole will do worse than what their parents did because there's no way they can continue to make money with the way the system has now changed. So, you know, in the 70s, you know, before Reagan came in, if you made $9,000, this, or, sorry, $9 million, this was your, your tax bracket. Yep. And you paid like 33%. And if you made $12 million, that extra, you know, 
two and a half million, whatever the cutoff was, I think it was 9999000 you paid 69% on that extra $2 million. So, yeah, you're not bringing home a lot of that extra $2 million, but at the end of the day, if you're making $12 million, you're also not hurting. That switch with Reagan really pushed us into a more rich environment, which, you know, we have seen the wealthy grow exponentially ever since 1980. And now you have the extremely wealthy, the not really middle class anymore, because there really isn't one, and really, really poor people. So George Carlin used to say the poor people are only there to keep the middle class going to their jobs, which is probably true because at a certain time, so Nick, let's pretend for a minute you have no rentals, right? You have no extra income. Yep. You hate your job right now, right? Yeah. If you have no extra income, you still go into it? Every effing day. Yep. Because if you don't, one of those poor people is going to come in and take it. And that's really where it comes down to is these millennials are going, you know, this is all bullshit. I don't want to have to rely on company AYZ to make me financially stable. Mind you, it's 2020. Financially stable means able to make it to next week. It doesn't mean able to make it to next year. I know my budget, Nick's budget, Mike's budget. I have several weeks that if I don't get money, I know I'm going to be okay. Nick, you know that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fine for a few weeks. Mike? Good. Okay. So think of a friend now. I, I'm thinking of the same one Mike is thinking of, I bet. Me too now. Okay, so we're all three thinking about the same friend. <laughs> Love him to death, great guy. How long does he make it on no money? A day and a half. Mike says a day and a half. Nick? Uh, I mean, if he if he hits it Saturday, I'll give him a full six days. Nick's giving him six days. I'm giving him about 45 minutes, Okay. It's just not there. This is, this is what we've turned into. We've turned into a society that's going, man, if I don't get paid this week, I'm screwed. That's where the fire movement sprung from. These people are going, I'm not living that life. I, I don't really care about this company because I know they don't care about me. So I'm going to make mine. And if you want to get rid of me, that's great. I'm going to go find another job and I'm going to make more money at that because if they don't want to pay me, I'll just go do eight gig jobs. I don't care. Well, same. I think it's not even necessarily about going to make more money. It's about going to, right? We have feelings. I mean, I'll be honest. If I felt appreciated at my job right now, I wouldn't be as upset. If I felt worth it, I wouldn't feel as upset. You know, like they they are a good company to a lot of people. They do pay pretty decent. They benefits are well, right? I 
I don't have any negative for that aspect, but the way that they're treating me during the negative, that's my anger. That's my frustration. That's why, you know, I, I would never, I would never, you know, I would never run somebody along like this. Right. I mean, it's all or nothing kind of a thing. So frustrations, but. Well, and that, that's a great point too. So I've, I've been in my current position since 2006. So we're talking what, 14 years. I've had somewhere between 30 and 40 bosses. My current boss is phenomenal. He's just great. The one I had before this, I damn near quit my job because she was a freaking nightmare. Not that she was, you know, a slave driver or anything. She wasn't. She was just dumb. And I didn't want to work for a dummy. It's not necessarily her fault that she's dumb, but you know, at some point you need to get smarter. I'm one of those people that I'm always trying to learn because I don't want to be dumb. I don't want to be viewed as dumb. I don't want anybody to say that's a dumb guy. I want them to go, man, that guy's hard to argue with because he knows his shit. So I don't open my mouth if I'm not sure. I don't get into an argument that I don't think I can win. If I know I'm going to get into an argument, I read up on it. Nick and I do this show every week. Mike joins us a lot. I know Mike joins so that he can learn some stuff and throw in his two cents when he has it. I know the hour before I hit record, I'm sitting there reading because I want to make sure that I at least have some knowledge on whatever we're talking about. I'm not a fire expert. I don't know a lot about the movement. But I sat there and I read some things and, you know, there were things I went, oh, that, you know, that really makes sense to me. You know, one of, one of the articles I read was five myths about fire and retiring early. And, you know, I want to hit those before we end this. But that's one of those things where I'm sitting there going, okay, well, I'm knowledgeable now. I can talk to it and not sound like an idiot. I'm not knowledgeable enough about it to start out the entire episode and say, hey, this is what fire is. That's why... When we started the episode, I kicked it to Nick because I knew Nick could sit there and say, hey, this is what fire is and this is what we're looking for and 70 to 75 percent and, you know, you want a 4 percent return, those things. I knew he was going to be able to drive that thing home. I don't, I, nece I can't necessarily do that. But I want to make sure that when I am talking, you know, I, I have some intelligent look at it. It goes back to the credit card thing we've talked about. Nick's not as knowledgeable on credit cards as I am. Throw me the credit card questions. I'll answer all of them because I'll tell you anything you want to know about any specific credit card out there because I know them all. Right. So five five myths. What do you, what do you got for myths of uh, fire movement, David? Oh, some of the myths are the, the number one myth out there is you must save 50% or more to retire early. So, yeah, that's not accurate. You know, obviously, if you're saving more than 50%, you're guaranteeing that. But, you know, if you start younger, obviously, you need to save less to get to that point. So, really kind of a myth out there. And, again, it really depends on what retiring early means. You know, Nick talked earlier about a 4% uh, return, you know, if you get a six, seven, eight percent return, obviously that changes the the look of your portfolio. 
Second myth out there is, you know, early retirement means never working again. I, I think we drove this one home, don't you guys? <laughs> I think we hit that one so hard. <laughs> I think we did because we're not looking at saying, hey, we're never doing anything again. We're going to just sit here in the corner and, and grow old and collect dust. You're going to find something you're passionate about and go do that. Um, third myth I really liked was fire is only for the young. It's absolutely not. So, you know, I want to be financially independent. I'm 43 years old. Yes, I would like to retire early, but I don't know what retire means to me. You know, my wife runs her own business. I, I still want to help with that. I work from home. I really like what I do. I might still want to do that until I'm, you know, into my 60s. I don't know. You know, Mike's a couple years older than me. He, you know, for the most part, he likes what he does. He gets paid really well to do it. He might not sit there and say, hey, yeah, you know, when I hit 58, I want to just say I'm done with it. I'm going to go do something else. Right or wrong, Mike? You're correct. So, I mean, you know, retiring early doesn't necessarily mean retiring early because we still have stuff to do. And you don't have to be young to jump on this fire movement because we all want the flexibility to be able to say, you know what, things have changed at my job. I don't really like who I report to anymore, and I'm out. Nope. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to do this instead. We want that flexibility so that people aren't going, well, they're just dependent on us, and they'll do anything we shove at them. Well, that's what I say. I have a buddy that owns 50, 50 paid-off properties, right? So his income is pretty well. He hasn't, he hasn't worked he hasn't flipped a property. He hasn't actually physically gone and done physical labor uh, that he hasn't wanted to do in four years, right? He's 36. So, um, you know, I, I say, hey, what do, you, what do you do? And he goes, whatever I want, right? Like he goes, I want to go golfing. So I go golfing. Somebody calls me up and says, hey, you want to go do this? Yeah, sounds great. He's got four kids. They haven't seen him work a day in their life. <laughs> so, right, I mean, he answers to nobody except for his wife. And and that's really what we want to get to. Yep. You know, that that's the goal. So myth number four, the next bear market will snuff out the fire movement. So this is great because we're in the pandemic. And, you know, obviously we hit a bear market there for a little while and everybody lost a bunch of money and that sucks. Yep. But when we look at things, so my mother's a great example. So we switched her investments to pretty conservative about a year ago right now because i said a recession's coming i don't want her to get hit as hard by the recession so when everything tanked to like 30 percent, she lost 15. so she lost half of what everybody else lost and that's fantastic of course it came back real quickly but it doesn't come back as quickly for her because she is so conservative. So, you know, it came back, you know, let's say 20%, but she's only earned about 10% off of that. So she's still down 5% overall, but we hedged those bets. And, you know, at her age, I'm okay hedging that bet. Yeah. At my age, I'm taking risks. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking risk at my age. You know, I say, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to guarantee any return right now. So I, I prefer to take the higher risk. So. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then your final myth? Was retiring means saying no to lattes forever. I don't drink lattes. So, you know, that doesn't matter to me. But 
it, it really doesn't mean that. There are plenty of ways you can save money and still get the things you want in life, whether that's a latte or a high-end steak or, you know, a high-end hot dog. It, it doesn't matter. It's out there. I think, I think that goes back to what we've talked about this whole time. It's about how bad you want it, right? I mean, if you want to retire at 22, yes, you're right. That does mean no lattes. That, that means you're sitting at home, you're, you know, or you're, you're living off your friends, or you're, you're mooching, you're doing whatever it takes, but, you know, it, it means you're not spending a dime and you're saving at all. I 100% agree. But if you want to make it to 24 and you want a latte every week, it's not going to affect you, right? So it's about how how bad do you want it, right? How much are you willing to give to get what you absolutely want? So, Yeah, so again, if you have questions, please send questions to us. If you have topics you'd like us to hammer on, we would love to hear your topics, your questions, all of that stuff. Nick wants to hit you with his normal lines right now, so I'm going to let him do that. I uh, say – like, subscribe, share this video, tell all your friends that uh, three fun guys are teaching you guys financial responsibility. Uh, Anheuser-Busch, Natter Days, actually it's strawberry lemonade, very exciting beer. I'm glad I drank it. Um, go ahead and sponsor us. So guys, thanks for watching. Again, share, share this video. We, we've enjoyed talking about this one for sure. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Grand Armory Brewery with the Nutter Year Business um peanut butter stout and then of course you know when i ran out of that i, I drank a couple milk lights so. and some water baby yes water. enhanced water and mike drank plain old water so we hope you enjoyed what we had to talk about we would really like you know your feedback please give that to us and uh we'll talk to you next week